Super Talk Mississippi media production. Sign up for a six-month bottled water contract for your home or office today and get your first five-gallon bottle free. Visit watertomydoor.com and use code DRINKITIN at checkout. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. I hope you're having a great day. Welcome to Coast View. This show celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi a great place to live, work, and play. Today, I'm having a Coast View session with my dear friend, Becky Montgomery Jenner. Good morning, Becky. Good morning, Ricky. Glad to be here. It's great to have you here. You're a very popular person. You know, if you live long enough and you treat people right, then people like you. Yeah, well, that's being humble. We'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, but, you know, one of the things I hear a lot about this show is that people appreciate that it's positive. You know, that I've really worked hard to design something that celebrates the best of coastal Mississippi. Um, and as you know, there's a lot of noise. I mean, I, I know that from my media experience and just my own news consuming experience. And I think anyone listening to the show can relate that, um, that we're in, a, we're in a, a time when there's just a lot of noise on the national stage. Um, our friend Alberto Ibarguin was on the show. He, we had a Coast View session. And for those of you who didn't see that, he's the former president and publisher of the El Nuevo Herald and Miami Herald and the current president and CEO of the Knight Foundation. Uh, because the Sun-Herald is one of the original Knight uh, newspapers, we had the opportunity to have the Knight Foundation loaded he- located here. You were on, on the advisory committee the whole I time was. I was publisher. Roland, yeah. Roland Weeks yeah. called when I was at United Way and asked me if I'd be willing to serve. And it was great to have you with us. And, um, and so we got to know Alberto. And what Alberto said on his Coast View session is, the way he said it is, there's so much yelling so mm-hmm. much yelling you can't even sort through it all and so the opportunity we had to create a show that didn't try to compete with the yelling on the national stage but just is entirely local entirely about celebrating what's great about coastal mississippi i wanted to design something that could teach people that they you know have people in and have conversations with them that they that the listeners could learn from and be inspired by i mean that's one of the most important things we could do but but alberta was a special guy wasn't he he was amazing. He had the ability to cut through the noise and get to what was important. But the most important thing, as far as I'm concerned, is he inspired communities to determine what they wanted to be and what they wanted to do. And then he challenged them. Yeah. Okay, I'm, yeah. we're going to fund this, yeah. but you got to figure it out yeah. first. Yeah, he was thinking, you know, there's a, for people who don't understand uh, specifically what's called, what it's called, what you just said, he was got one of the first ones that really focused on outcomes-based mm-hmm. giving, which you just don't give because you got last year. You give because there's a, retur- a community return on investment. Right. He really preached that. So the Knight Foundation did a lot of great work before Katrina, but after Katrina, it was incredible what they did, helping us fund the Knight Nonprofit Center on Seaway Road, where the, all these nonprofits come together under one roof. Um, just a great. We said was because we used to work with him. He's still down there plugging away, mm-hmm. doing incredible work. I think he's like seventy-six years old, and there's no stopping him. Um, so if you want to be inspired by an incredible leader, uh, go watch the uh, the video at YouTube or Facebook with Alberto Ibarguen. What an incredible guy he was. 
And now on top of all the noise, we have the coronavirus. You know, just one more thing for people to think about and worry about. Um, but I, as I said, I concluded that we've got to have something positive, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, uh, giving that to the, to the people who are listening. Um, you've seen a lot of positive people. You've seen a lot of people who are committed to the community, haven't you, in your oh, yeah. long journey in the community? Right, right. Well, I started out my career as a school teacher, a special ed teacher. My sister was a special ed teacher. Yeah. So, you know, when, when you're in the education field, you see it every day. Mm-hmm people dedicating their lives to to kids and making it better and we're going to come back to your journey i I can't wait to hear where those where the inspiration came from that puts you in a position where you're every day waking up and being a better version of yourself so that you can serve the community in different ways of course retirement only only unleashed you to do even more um what i see though is that you're one of those people you know we we have the opportunity to celebrate the men and women of coastal mississippi that are giving their time uh, for nonprofits, they're serving on boards. They're they're helping to fill gaps and with uh, with with in the community where people have needs. They're helping people who can't help themselves. Um, one of the things I've come to appreciate and read a lot about, you know, I knew it as publisher of the Sun Herald, but I've really focused on it even more today. Is just how generous coastal Mississippians are, and how generous Mississippians are. If you look at the national average, if you l- just look at like per capita giving, Mississippi is either number one or in the top three. Year after year after year. You've, you've seen that in all your, your journey, haven't you? And, and has been that way for a long time. When I was executive director of United Way, um, one would think that the casinos and some of those large corporations were the most generous givers. Per capita, yeah. the casino workers were mm-hmm. the ones who gave. Because they saw what the different agencies under United Way did to improve their local community, their families, mm-hmm. their friends. And that was a real eye-opener for me. I, I've, um, you know, we saw after Katrina how neighbor helped neighbor and, and people just came out of the woodwork to, to help this community come back. Whether it's their time and energy or their money, whatever it was. Um, but as Haley Barber said, you know, the storm didn't create character in us, in the people of, of Mississippi, but it, it revealed the character of the people of Mississippi. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't get enough credit for that, do we? No, no. The, the storm brought out the best and the worst. Yeah, it did. You saw people at their best, and then you saw people taking advantage of others at their worst. And the good news is there were enough good people to take care to of those. Overshadow <laughs> it. Right. right. At, at, the, at the end of the day. Um, one of the things that um, that that I have found that you've got these people who are involved in these boards and they're involved in volunteer efforts, but there's a there's a level of giving that some people give that goes even beyond that. It's they they have the need and they have the desire. Maybe call it divine intervention. Call them a guardian angel. I don't know what you want to call them, but they need to look at the people in the eyes. They want to they want to hug them. They want to love them. They want to help them. They want to take their community-mindedness to a whole new level. That I just described you. When I was doing the research on you, I was so you know, was reminded of just how giving you are, how special you are. Um, like the homeless veteran with stage four cancer that you helped get off of the streets and into a hospice. Or the young veteran who had you know, PTSD and other issues and homeless 
And you took her into your house for how many months? A year and a half. And we got her our house built. Mm-hmm. That was the end result. Yeah. Is um, a godism led to her getting a house. Well, what what one of the things about the show is I have the opportunity to focus on people like you who take it to the whole new level. That is you're not satisfied just with policies and raising money. I mean, you raised two million dollars at United Way, might have like you hit a yeah. record when you were there. But it's not just it's not just doing those things. We need people to do all those things. But it's your need to get in the street and look at people in the eye and try to figure out how what you can personally do to help them get out of that situation. I literally I'm not kidding you, Becky. When I was preparing, I choked up a couple of times thinking about you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, now don't I, you start that. I, work, I worked with you all these years in the community, and this is true of a lot of the people that I've talked to. We, we're running so fast, we don't really have time to stop and focus. I knew you were it really well. I watched you through all your iterations. But when you see it in a capsule, when you see it all at one time, you understand why, you know, there's over 200 likes now at Facebook. When, and I just posted it on my personal page and, and tagged you and all these comments. I actually said that I'm going to start the Becky Montgomery Jenner fan club, <laughs> and people are already joining. <laughs> so right off the bat, I want to establish this. You're, you're really a trendsetter, and people should hear that when I talk about different versions of yourself and different chapters of your life, you've been through a lot. You retired from the power company, but boy, that, ain't, that isn't, doesn't even begin to tell your story. You had just incredible journey. Um, I want to just kind of point out a couple of things to people. Number one. You were the first company commander of the Mississippi National Guard as a woman. You were the first president, woman president, of the, of the uh, Gulfport Rotary Club. You were the first woman president of the Gulfport Business Club. I'm sure there's some things I'm missing. But if you go through your journey, my goodness, you've had, you've had so many contributions in so many different ways. You're truly a trendsetter. Um, and what I'm going to do, what we'll do when we come back from break, I want to start your journey. You know, you grew up in law, right? I did. I did. My daddy was a veterinarian. Oh, wow. And you, you know, you went on to teach at University of Southern Mississippi. You went to Ole Miss. You became instructor of the year at Ole Miss. What a great story we're going to tell about you. Um, So when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with with Becky Montgomery Jenner, a longtime community leader. Somebody's got something to teach about community service, about why it's important to have people in this community. You know, if you're thinking about being involved, you know, listen Mm -hmm. to this story because Becky's got something to teach you about. Just go ahead and do it. Just get out there, find your role, find your passion. And ultimately, you can, too, be someone like Becky that years down the road, you're looking back and saying, wow, I did a lot of good good stuff. I did a lot of good Mm -hmm. stuff. Anyway, you have Becky Montgomery Jenner. We'll be right back after this break. What you think? Listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. We're having a wonderful conversation with Becky Montgomery Jenner, a longtime community leader, someone who has a lot to teach about volunteerism and, you know, heart, you know, about heart. One of the things we were talking about during the break, Becky, was about that homeless veteran who had cancer. And um, I was so, the reason I got chunked up, I, got, I was so touched by the video that John Fitzhugh put together. John Fitzhugh is a really talented photographer who used to work at the Sun-Herald, who works for WLOX now. But this video that he did, it really did a great job of capturing in his death that he found happiness and even in a hospice. And he was surrounded by people who cared about him. Is that what you remember the most about that story? Oh, makes me tear yeah. up. But the, yeah. the thing is, he didn't die alone. Yeah, yeah. And all he needed was somebody to help him. Yeah. You know, when if a veteran's trying to get into the VA, the first thing they need is their DD-214 discharge. Well, he was homeless. He didn't have his DD-214. Mm-hmm. So you go to the VA, and they tell you to fill out paperwork. And then one caring person while we were there said, what do you need? And I said, we're trying to get his 14. She said, let me take you to a person, not fill out this paperwork and mail it in. He could not walk from me to you without losing his Mm -hmm. breath. Mm -hmm. That person took the time, effort, and energy, got his DD-214, which led to his being able to get into the hospice. The picture of him in his truck with that oxygen tank next to him and just to think that he was there alone and that was his home, man. I know. You know, it's, what a, what a, I know it gets you. It really (laughs) does. And to know that we've got people like you in this community and, you know, I say people like you because thank God you're not alone. There there are people Mm -hmm. that are in the trenches every single day. Many of them, we don't even know who they are. They're just doing incredible things to, to help people that have needs. And my gosh, there's so many needs in our community. There are. And and people like Jamie Bates. Jamie's the one who told me about him. Mm-hmm. I have him. Jamie Bates, great photographer, amazing heart, focused on the homeless. I know. I'm ha- I have him on an upcoming show. Good. I can't wait because I've always thought the world of Jamie. But yeah, I mean, there's a, there, you know, you, you hate to mention names, don't you? Because there's just really so many. Well, that's it's, true. There's so, so many. So you um, you grew up in Laurel. I did. And tell me about what were the influences on your early life that helped shape who you are today? Well, my daddy was wonderful. Yeah. He was a veterinarian. He graduated from Lyman High School. Really? And then went to Perk and played baseball. He was uh, Mayor Holloway's daddy's roommate at Perk. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah. And then he went to Auburn. And he went to World War II. War Eagle. I know. My son went to Auburn. And after World War II, he established his practice in Laurel. Mm -hmm. And my daddy taught me two things. One thing was my brothers and me, he told, you will not be rude or disrespectful to anybody. You will treat everyone with dignity and respect. Mm -hmm. That was one thing. And then the other thing, he said, just be still and listen. And when we were growing up, I thought it meant, you know, quit hitting each other and poking each other and just just be quiet. But as I got older, I realized that he was saying, if you'll just be still and listen, things will come into focus. Mm -hmm. You will 
you will hear God's presence. Mm-hmm. And so he was he was my biggest influencer. Mm-hmm. He reared my brothers in me. Mm-hmm. My mother left. Mm-hmm. So he was a single parent oh, and was fabulous. It's it's so interesting that, you know, and, and, and I know you, so in all of our offline conversations, your faith and what he did to establish a strong faith in you has guided you throughout your life and continues to guide you in all that you do. Because you believe that there's a little divine intervention in your life, don't you? A lot. I believe that there's a lot. Yeah. I believe that God puts us in the paths of others for a purpose or others in our paths mm-hmm. for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we may not recognize it or do anything about it, but sometimes it taps you on the shoulder and sometimes it hits you between the eyes. Yeah. Mike yeah. Webb was a hit between the eyes. Yes. Yeah. I, I can do that. I yeah. can help him. Mm-hmm. Let's go do it. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know the fact that you had leadership abilities from the military and understood the veteran process and what's available to them and all right. just all kind of like everything kind of came together in that together. one in that one moment. So you uh, you grew up in Laurel and what made you decide you wanted to be a special education teacher? Because I wanted to be a veterinarian. My granddaddy was a veterinarian too. So I told Daddy, I'm going to be a veterinarian. He said, we'll see. He never told me I couldn't do anything. He just said, we'll see. Mm-hmm. So my freshman year, I'm in a chemistry lab, and I'm looking out over the field where the pride is practicing and people are playing intramural football. And I said, I don't want to work that hard. I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I was a special ed teacher mm-hmm. um, and taught at East Junior High in Gulfport. Wow, that's so interesting. And you, so, in, a, in an interesting way, that was kind of an inspiring first job, wasn't it? Oh, it was great. It was great. It was more than just teaching. It, it was. It was beginning to understand the difficulties that people have and, mm-hmm. and the needs they have and the support mechanisms they really need. You were build, beginning to, uh, to build a great foundation at that point, weren't you? I was, and at the time, Gulfport just had elementary learning disabilities classes. We were my class was the first junior high class. And you know, kids got through so much when they're in that those middle school years. Mm-hmm. Well imagine not being able to read or not being able to do math mm-hmm. or not being able to retain facts. You know, in addition to all the other hormones and trials and tribulations, then you have a shortcoming that's keeping you from being what you can be and being like everybody else. At what point did you say, I'm going to do National Guard? I was tutoring Ted Hearn's son. Ted was the commander of the 114th support group in Hattiesburg, and he was working for his brother-in-law, Gordon Myrick, rest his soul. Mm -hmm. And Ted started talking about Germany, and I said, you're doing buildings in Germany? He said, no, no. He said, my guard unit's going. He said, you know, we need women in the guard. Mm-hmm. So I talked to, he talked to me about it, and I talked to Daddy, and Daddy said, the worst that could happen is you don't get in. Before we move away from Ted Hearn, the work that he's doing in the community today is so it's important. I, I, I have him on the list and to get him on as soon as I possibly can, but David Myrick, you know, mm-hmm. Gordon's brother is very passionate about what about the homeless by himself. Right. But, but Ted Hearn's, in particular, his efforts. Selfless servant he, to the 
nth power. And he's, he's been through several iterations oh, yeah. of his life in oh, various yeah. leadership roles along the way. I, I can't wait to tell the story. So it's interesting, though, that you intersected with him, given where he is today, that mm-hmm. you intersected with him at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, see, he's from Laurel. Mm-hmm. So I knew his wife had a little clothing boutique in Laurel. And um, so I had known him, and then their son had a learning disability within high school, and mm-hmm. so I, I tutored him, and then I got a direct commission because mm-hmm. I already had my degree, and then I went off to basic training. And you served for how long? 28 years. And you did a lot in those 28 years. I was just reading just in, just in terms of the training that you were exposed to an enormous amount of training um and you eventually you know decided to retire from the national guard 28 years is a long career in the national guard well the, the last year and a half i was at camp shelby when we were mobilizing people to go to iraq and afghanistan mm-hmm. kuwait mm-hmm. so when it you have mandatory retirement if you're not promoted to full bird colonel by the time you're tw- have 28 years you have to get out yeah so I got passed over for full bird, and at, at first I was really disappointed. Um, and then I got home, and you know, three months later, Katrina happened. And it was like, okay, God, I got it. Because if I'd been on active duty, I wouldn't have been able to help our Mississippi Power employees. Mm-hmm. So you had become a colonel in the Mississippi National Guard mm-hmm. and then a lieutenant governor. I mean, excuse me, a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. No, it's and lieutenant colonel. Lieutenant Colonel is lower okay. than full bird colonel. Mm-hmm. So upon my retirement, I got my eagle wings. Oh, okay. But okay. you don't I, get paid that. I got it. I yeah. See, that wasn't spelled out when colonel. I read that. It wasn't spelled out. Yeah. So now no. I understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's okay, though. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. What a great career you had doing that. And I did. All along the way, you just kept doing, you, you went to Southern Miss, you went to Ole Miss? Mm-hmm. How did you end up in Ole Miss? My first husband decided to be an attorney when he grew up at age 37. So he went to law school. And that's how you ended up there. That's yep. so interesting. You became Instructor of the Year at Ole Miss. I I had a good time. I enjoyed my students, and obviously they liked me. <laughs> wow, that's great. That's such that's such a cool story. So what we're, what we're going to do is we're just going to continue your journey when we come back. Um so much to learn. You know, you you were living parallel lives, National mm-hmm. Guard, and then continuing your life as a teacher, and then ultimately you did some other things. So we're going to come back and learn what those things are. But each step, you were learning one more segment mm-hmm. about how to give in the community and what that meant and so on. So we'll be back with Becky Montgomery Jenner after this break. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have Becky Montgomery Jenner with us today, just an incredible, incredibly inspirational person. Actually, the Facebook audience was watching a video of you climbing over the edge of the Bow Revage. <laughs> what was that? Uh, Habitat had a fundraiser 
called Over the Edge. And mm. the first year was at Beau Rivage. Mm-hmm. And then subsequently, it's been at the IP. Mm-hmm. And, and you had a leadership role in that. Well, the first year I chaired the committee. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. And then every year since, Mark and I are participants. He now goes over the edge, too. He used to just work on the roof, but yeah. now he's going over the edge, too. It's fun. Well, you need to do that. We keep slipping it in here and there. You hey, need look, to do well, that. Well, I was a paramedic at one time in my life. And where I went to school, University of Alabama in Birmingham, they actually had a 15-story uh, training facility where we used to drop out over the edge and do all that stuff. It's fun. I love to do mm-hmm. that. But I'll tell you this. When Katrina hit, I was actually supposed to jump with the Golden Knights. Oh, wow. I had signed the paperwork, you know, all the, you know, the, the, the company lawyers and everybody said, okay, you can do it if you really want to do it. I was scared to death of the thought of it. And, of course, when Katrina hit, we didn't have the, we didn't have the thing at Keesler, and I didn't have to do it. And I went, <sighs> I was pretty happy. God's intervention. <laughs> <laughs> So where we left it, you were you 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 became instructor of the year at Ole Miss because you were so passionate about what you did and the students and whatever. Um, how long did you stay in Oxford? We were there for three years. Um, he graduated from law school and we moved back to the coast. But yeah, teaching are, is a great profession. But teaching on the college level, you get to start over every semester, new students. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun to be part of their lives, mm-hmm. and there's nothing like being on a college campus. I, I taught at JD for a couple of years, or a couple, I say two or three semesters. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I was very different. I was a very different kind of instructor, but I found it's hard to balance doing that with a full-time career so, yeah. and being a dad. Right. But I really loved it. Uh, but you were really good at it. And, I had and, fun. And those skills, you know, the ability to speak in front of people and organize your thoughts and teach, you know, you leverage that for the rest of your, you know, you still do it today. You still do it today. So you came back to the coast. Take us on your coast journey. You, you weren't, you, 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 well, you, you tell it. Well, yeah. you know, I've said that, that one thing leads to another and prepares you. Um, I had taken time off because my daughter was born in February. So we moved back to the coast in May. And then I got a call from the head of marketing department at Southern, Tom Ivey, and the Small Business Development Center needed a director. And I said, I don't want to work full time. I have a newborn. And he said, well, you don't have to. Well, working part time is the worst situation because what ends up happening is you really work full time. You just get part time pay. (laughs) So that led from part time to full time. Mm-hmm. And then doing small business workshops, thinking about going into business, how to write a business plan. So when did Adele come along? Adele was an intern. She, I still remember the day she walked in the office. She and Lisa Galat walked in. First of all, for people who don't know Adele, Adele Lyons is the current Lyons. executive director, uh, president of the Mississippi Gulf Coast uh, Chamber. Yes, and she and Lisa Galat walked in, and Adele asked if she could be my intern, and I said, that'd be great. And I had no idea what a Biloxi icon I was exposed to. (laughs) Um, So she helped write business plans and counseled with um, our clients who came in, and she was just great. It's also the year that she was queen of Neptune. 
Well, I was new to all this Mardi Gras stuff. It's Queen of Neptune. So it was it was Well, Dell cool. gives you credit. We had a Coast View session together. And, of course, she and I worked together in the Knight Foundation. But she was friends with my wife's family, the Bahamas mm-hmm. clan. They all knew, as you as you were. Right. Um, but But she gives you credit for being the most important mentor in her life. You know, she, the, when she got done, you were up on a cloud somewhere, you know. <laughs> but it's true. You were, you did understand mentorship and how important that was and how to latch on to people with potential, didn't you? Well, I think part of that has to do with um, the incubator position came open. And the incubator was a great facility, but at the time they had retired military people as directors. Well, they were just filling a space. Yeah. So when that job came up, and I told Adele, I said, you'd be great at that. You need to apply. She was like, because most bosses don't tell you to go out and seek another job. Mm-hmm. But I thought she would be perfect for it. And she was. Yes. She was. She so was. trying to, to help her see her talents and yeah. step out. And she's, she's fabulous. So what happened next in your life? Next in my life, um, I had done some workshops for the Development Commission and even some presentations for Olivier on casino gaming because one of the presentations that, that we did was the impact of gaming. Right. So I had all of these stats, and so if Olivier couldn't do something, he would call me and ask me if I, mm-hmm. I could do it. That study actually was really important to the education process. It was. During the are we going to approve this or not mm-hmm. stage. It was been and, talked about more than once. And so the the casinos came, and then all of a sudden the in- Development Commission, which had done industrial development and international development and was into casino development, now they needed a commercial development specialist mm-hmm. because they were getting requests for property, for hotels, massage parlors, mm-hmm. pawn shops, you yeah, know, yeah. all of these people who needed help, and I was... Mm-hmm. Fortunate enough to go work with Olivier, and that was a that was a fun job. Mm-hmm. Then what? Uh, left there and went to United Way. I had been involved in United Way on the board. Yeah, you had been a, a volunteer in United Way for many. I, years. I did, yeah, I did, yeah. and so uh, Aletha Burge was a cancer survivor, and I was concerned when I saw the ad in the paper, and I called, and they said, "No, we're." She's going to stay, and we've created another position for her as an agency relations person, and mm-hmm. she needs to work less, mm-hmm. doctor's orders. Mm-hmm. So we are opening up the position. And I went to Olivier that day. Mm-hmm. We had had a, a contentious board meeting um, with some issues surrounding supervisors. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Olivier that day, and I said, I applied for the United Way position. And if I get it, it's great. If I don't, it's okay. Um, but it it worked out. What an awesome opportunity to get a view of needs in coastal Mississippi. Well, you know, one of the most important things that I learned being at United Way, um, everybody talks about a needs assessment. Well, a needs assessment is someone else's opinion of some gap that I have or mm-hmm. the organization has. Mm-hmm. And one thing I learned at United Way through some of my training is looking at uh, a capacity 
assessment. So when you think about the positive, mm-hmm. let's see what the capacity of this organization is, and then let's see where they can go and where that gap is and what we can do to make for, it work. For people who don't know the word capacity, explain it a little bit more. Um, it's what you're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. So you look at a lot of small nonprofits and rather than coming in and saying what you need is up-to-dated computer system or um, a larger building you look at capacity and say okay you're doing this now if you had this think about what you could do that's why that outcomes based thinking is it so important. is and it was difficult for a lot of our agencies because at the time we still had men, member agencies mm-hmm. and i can still remember um, mary ellen ford she did a lot of training for us she said it's not about the number of worms the baby bird eats it's whether or not the bird can fly <laughs> so it's not about how many bodies you serve mm-hmm. it's about if you've made a difference mm-hmm. to those people and how you have enhanced their capacity. Right. And that's a different way of thinking. Well, for so you can give someone fish or you can teach them the fish. That's right. And outcomes based is about making organizations understand that they have to build capacity that meets a need that we can we can measure the return. That's right. So that we make sure that the limited funds we have that's are right. going to the right organizations. And then holding them accountable. Year after year. Year it's, not a, right. it's not a sense of entitlement where they can get that no. same funding again next year. they got to start all over, all over again. And, and I they, can't tell you the number of times we heard, well, you've always given us this. Well, times have changed. I always thought the analogy to like the NFL was interesting and important because, you know, the NFL is rebuilding the team every year. Mm-hmm. You know, you're either good enough to be a great wide receiver or you're not. But every year we're going to we're gonna make sure we got the best players on our mm-hmm. team. That's essentially what United Way does. We got the best players meeting the needs, and we're never going to fill all the gaps, are no. we? That's what I used to say. Yeah. Put me out of business. Yeah. Oh, right. Of course. Put me out of business. Have so, our, our community do what we need to do for each other. You don't need. This is Becky Montgomery Jenner, a longtime community leader. We're going to continue the conversation after this break, but really, I want to kind of look back now and say, you know, what are some of the big lessons that you've learned along the way? Yeah. Ultimately. Joined the foundation of the Mississippi Power Company. Continue to learn a lot of stuff. Um, but we'll come back to that after the break. This is, again, Becky Montgomery Jenner, and we'll see you after the break. It's a great time to be on the coast, and we love talking about it. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back. Um, I have Becky Montgomery Jenner here. You saw a picture, the Facebook folks saw a picture of Becky and the board on the BP Money Committee. The What do you call it? The restoration, restoration Fund. Restoration Funds. Uh, they are, they're really focused on making sure all this money and this, like, when you add up all the buckets coming, it's about $2 billion. That's, gonna, that's, that's literally transformational type of stuff that can happen. And I know that your efforts and the Gulf Coast Business Council and others are really focused on making sure that these are investments that are transformational. And thanks for your efforts in doing that. But, again, if we listed all the things you're involved in, <laughs> it would take the whole hour show or the awards you've gotten along the way. 
the whole show. I, I, I had the pleasure of giving you one of the top 10 community leaders award when I was publisher. Um, man, so much to, to go. So finish your journey, and then let's look back for a second on the, the important lessons that you want to convey. Okay. So you were at United Way. What next? Um, the community college called. Dr. Lott called. And I had worked with him in their workforce development department and through the Development Commission. Mm-hmm. So he called and um, wanted to talk to me about a job. The what a first, special guy he is. Oh, he's fabulous. He's the best boss I ever had. Gosh, he best is. Best boss I ever had. He never forgot my birthday or, or my anniversary. Or so I mean, inclusive wow. when we had those executive council cabinet meetings. He's a great guy. Yeah. So he and, and I went and met with him and Dr. Mary Graham, mm-hmm. and he's telling me that it's the foundation and the alumni affairs. And I, we visited for a little while, and I said, Dr. Lott, I don't, I don't know anything about foundations. I got up to leave. Thank you for thinking about me. There's somebody that I have in mind, but I want to check with them first. He said, I'm, sit back down. Sit back down. <laughs> and he said, what are the traits I should be looking for? And I told him. And then he told me the salary. Mm-hmm. So I was working at United Way, mm-hmm. a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Salary he was offering was $25,000 more. Mm-hmm. I said, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> So I was only there, though, for 10 months, Mm -hmm. and then Mississippi Power called. Mm -hmm. And I had always wanted to work at Mississippi Power. In fact, when I worked for Olivier, he told me, he said, they have an opening in economic development. Go talk to the director. And I did, and the guy told me that I didn't fit fit Mississippi Power mold, which meant I was a female. Uh. And I said, I'm in the National Guard. I'm, I work in a man's world. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, and you should be home with your children. Oh, no. He actually told me oh, that. No. And I will say that the no. devil jumped on my shoulder mm-hmm. when we had our retiree picnic mm-hmm. a few years ago, and mm-hmm. he was there, and I gave him a business card. <laughs> so I'm not all good. My first job was a paramedic. My second job was at Mississippi Power Company. And my relationship with my boss at Mississippi Power Company literally changed my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there's, there's no other way to say it. You, you you did several different jobs at the power company. We don't have time to nail them all down from, from internal relationships with retirees and all, the foundation. But Becky, when you think about it and you look back on all your experiences, what is it that you would say to a young person or even someone that's a little up there in age that's trying to figure out what they're going to do? How are they going to get involved in the community? They want to do something. What's your message to that? Well, professionally, I would say be open to opportunities. Don't just say, well, I never thought about that, so I'm not going to do it. I mean, I started out as a special ed teacher. Yeah. So, And then on the community engagement part, I would say... Um, there, there are gaps in all of us. Mm-hmm. There's something missing. So what is your passion? Who does it make you happy to be associated with? Is it special needs children? Is it the elderly? Is it you know, veterans? You know, what, what makes you know, I am so glad I did that? Is it reading to kids in schools? I mean, they are... There are things that people can do to help them feel wholesome, 
to one person, to the world, you're just one person. But to that a one person, you might be the world. I, I think that you could also show them a picture of Mike Webb and his truck mm-hmm. with his big yeah, oxygen tank. You can make a difference. It just takes people How many caring. Mike Webbs are there? There are a lot. There are a lot. I mean, to be that sick, he was so sick, he couldn't even be on oxygen because he didn't have an address. I didn't yeah. know that you had had to have an address to be on oxygen, but it makes sense. Yeah. You can't be in a vehicle and have an oxygen tank. It's flammable. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it's nice to, to know we helped him. I used to say, when I was at the Sun-Herald, we would build this into editorials from time to time, that... Um, we can never have enough volunteers. Mm-mm. There are never enough. I don't care how good we do in that area. Mm-mm. We can never have enough. You can never have enough people to care. Yeah. And to be selfless servants. God bless you, Becky. <laughs> I'm privileged to be the president of your fan club. Oh, thank you. That is, that's funny. The, in, the inspiration <laughs> you have to give. I mean, your heart is wonderful. Your soul is even better. Um, your inspiration, you know, what you provide for people, not only in your hard work and your energy, but in the inspiration to them and the conversation we were just having about how they can be involved in the communities. All of those things are important. And you still got a long way to go yet. You got things to do. So with that said, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, tomorrow we have Supreme Court Justice David Ishii. I'm really looking forward to that. He's another popular guy. Um, What a wonderful journey from Gulfport to the Supreme Court. See you tomorrow. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.